Welcome to the New Little Life Podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing, to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding, and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. All right, welcome back to the New Little Life podcast. I'm really thrilled to have our guest with us today, Melissa. And I kind of feel like I'm talking to a celebrity here. I followed you on Instagram for a long time. (laughs) So, um, and you are such great help to pumping moms, which is why I brought you on today. So I'm really glad that you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so glad to be your guest today. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Melissa before we get started. Melissa is a certified lactation counselor who specializes in pumping. She runs Pump Mama Pump to provide education, motivation, and support to pumping mamas, whether they are nursing or pumping, returning to work and pumping, exclusively pumping, supplementing all the pumping moms. So I'm really, that's awesome. We need way more support for pumping moms. So I'm glad that you have found this space along with me. Isn't that the truth? There is so much support out there um, for breastfeeding in general. And I really just find that there needs to be a little more support tailored for pumping moms. Um, Like you just said, whatever circumstance has you pumping, um, I'm here to support you. Very cool. Okay. I really just want to like dive into your story. You have personal experience pumping and I really want to hear about that. So can we just start at the beginning with your first baby? Why did you choose to pump or did you have to just start me there? Sure. Uh, My son is five now, which is crazy, (laughs) but five years ago, he burst out into the scene one month early. Uh, We weren't really prepared for that. We had taken a breastfeeding course through the hospital. I just assumed I'd be nursing, but because he was born a little bit early, he had um, a quick NICU stay. Mm -hmm. So while he was in the NICU, I had to pump. So they got me started with exclusive pumping and he really didn't have the stamina to latch. And while he did eventually learn how to latch, um, I ended up liking exclusive pumping. I know that sounds weird, right? Liking exclusive pumping. (laughs) It just worked so well for my family. So I ended up liking it so much that I just kept on exclusive pumping. And at the time, I didn't even know that that was an option. I thought it was, you know, nursing, maybe a pump when you go back to work. I didn't know that you could just pump. And the NICU nurses were really, really nice. They got me started on like a strict pumping schedule and showed me how to work a pump, all that. Um, So fast forward to my daughter, who is now three. When I had her, I knew that I wanted to exclusively pump right from the get-go. My husband and I were in on it 50-50. He did night feedings. It was really great. And again, it worked really well. It worked better the second time because I knew all the tips and tricks and had a better pump and all that. Um, But I did, in the end, choose to exclusively pump, although it was kind of thrust upon me initially. Yeah. Did you, were you a stay-at-home mom? Did you work? Like, how did that, what was that transition like for you? I had a sort of interesting maternity leave. Um, I am a teacher. I'm actually an art teacher, which is like kind of weird that I got into this. Um, But it all comes, I mean, speaking about that, it all comes down to education. 
Like when I learn something, I just have to teach someone else, whether it's art or pumping. So um, I had six weeks off and then 12 weeks work from home. So I was able to pump around the clock at home. And then I eventually went back to work and I did the whole thing again for the second baby. And then COVID hit and we were all home. And uh, so that's how that happened. Did your routine of exclusively pumping change very much when you went back to work? I mean, you were already on a schedule. You were already pumping. What was the transition like for you going back to work? I acknowledge that I'm in a really fortunate position that it was a very smooth transition because my babies were already used to bottle feeding and, you know, other people besides me feeding them. They had a smooth transition to daycare. I had a smooth transition to work. My work is very supportive of um, breastfeeding mothers. So I was able to take how many breaks I needed to. And um, they actually asked me or were on board with my redesigning our pumping room at work. And then when we got a new building, I got to design the pumping room at the new building, which I've talked about on Instagram because it was really fun to get everyone's um, I asked the mamas, like, what would you put in your dream pumping room? And we kind of compiled this master list, which I then used for my works pumping room. So shout out to my Instagram mamas. Thank you so much for helping me design those two pumping rooms at work. That's very cool. Um, was it hard for you to maintain your pumping schedule at work? I know when you're teaching and you have students, you're, you're a little bit more limited on when you can pump. Was that hard for you? Okay. So I actually teach online. So even before COVID, I am a online art educator, which is like, what? Like, how does, why? Um, That sounds so hard. I teach art history classes. So there's another teacher who does the studio classes of like how to make art. That's a little harder, um, but I teach all sorts of art history classes online. So I didn't have a class to leave and go pump. I work in a, um, an office setting. So yeah, I was very fortunate about that as well. And I acknowledge that it is really difficult for teachers to get coverage for their classrooms to go and pump. Some teachers end up wearing, you know, wearable pumps and pumping during work, but then they might feel uncomfortable doing so. They might um, sacrifice some ounces by not getting enough pumping breaks because they have to do it like only on their lunch. Um, And it's, it's really, there's really not enough support for women returning to the workplace, whether they're teaching or doing a number of jobs that they just don't get the time and space to pump when legally they should be afforded the time and space to pump. And there are just so many barriers and um, it really can affect people's milk supply and it can affect their pumping journey or their breastfeeding journey. And they might not, you know, actually make the goals that they set out for themselves because they have to return to work and they can't pump. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% with you there. It's a, it's hard. And especially if you're interacting with patients or students or any kind of people in person makes it even harder. Okay. So what kind of pumps um, have you tried? Which ones are your favorite? I'm guessing that you pumped a little bit while you were teaching, if you're teaching online. (laughs) So kind of tell us what that was like for you. Um, Sure. So you're on me with zoom or you're on zoom with me right now. And we're looking at each other's heads and I could be 
pumping right now and you would never know it. So for not. cyber teaching, mm-hmm. <laughs> for teaching online, you know, I could pump during class essentially. And I have, uh, or during meetings, um, you just put the camera up here at your face. So um, my true love is the Spectra S1. It just is a really quality pump and my body responds really well to it. Not all women's bodies respond similarly to pumps. So if you have the opportunity to try a different pump, if you find that you're not responding well to the one you have, please take that opportunity because you might find that you know, you respond better to a Medela brand pump than Spectra or like I had a baby Buddha and it's really a really great quality, strong pump, but it's too strong for some women. So like a pumpables genie advance is a little more flexible, but you're still portable. Those are some of my favorite pumps. And I have tried the LV, but a common complaint about wearables like Willow LV is that you have a decreased output, which I did experience as well with the LV. I just didn't need to be that discreet. Like talking about going back to work, mm-hmm. I have a lot of mamas who um, are nurses and they have these 12 hour shifts or they work in healthcare and they have these long shifts and they have to pump while you know seeing patients or doing rounds or charting. Um, and the wearables are like essential for them to do their job. And that's great. But if, if I didn't need to be discreet, I wasn't going to use the LV. It was a bad match for me. Um, and my other favorite pump is the Medela Harmony, which is a manual pump, which if you haven't tried a manual pump yet, they are great. They can be really quick. Um, they're great. Like if you're a passenger in a car, they're great. If you need to duck into the nursing room at target and just pump really quickly, cause you're not going to get home in time. And they're awesome for relieving clogged ducts as well. So make sure you have a manual pump and know how to use it. There's a little bit of a learning curve in addition to your electric pump. Yeah, that's, I love all of those pumps you mentioned too. Those are some of my favorites as well. And I mean, how can you not love the Spectra? I feel like it works for almost everybody. It's such a workhorse pump. I, it's like one of my favorites. So what did your schedule look like pumping right from the beginning? Like, How did you go about building and protecting your milk supply right from the start? Well, I got, like I said before about the NICU nurses, um, they know their stuff and they gave me a little bit of tough love. They said I had to pump every three hours right away. And I went back to the hospital to visit my son and to, to, you know, tend to his needs. And they asked me if I had pumped and I was like, well, you know, I, I didn't really want to pump last night and they got on my case and they said, listen, you need to pump every three hours around the clock. And she was a little scary and, you know, she whipped me into shape and I did. I pumped around the clock every three hours until about two months when I dropped to like seven pumps. And I kept that middle of the night pump until I went back to work and I didn't have to go back to work until five months because I was working from home. Um, so I kept, you know, at least six pumps a day, maybe five with a middle of the night pump right up until about four or five months. And then I let, I did let myself sleep eventually when I went back to work. So I, I dropped that middle of the night pump session eventually. Speaking of middle of the night pump sessions, can you walk me through what that looks like for you? I hate pumping in the middle of the night. (laughs) feeding in the middle of the night is like barely all I can do. So what kind of like 
how do we make it through these middle of the night pumps? What are some of the ways we can make that easier? It is not a popular time to pump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will tell you, I actually liked it better than the pump before bed that like I did like a 9 30, 10 PM pump. And I was so tired just to stay up and get that pump over with and then let myself sleep. That was my least favorite. But mm-hmm. as far as the middle of the night pump session, um, it's really important to prioritize it because it helps protect your supply. Not only does it protect your supply and build your supply, but your body makes the highest level of prolactin, which is your milk making hormone in the night. It's like not a fortunate time for that to happen, but that's how it is biologically. So night feeding and night pumping are really important to capitalize on that um, rise in prolactin levels. So what can you do to make it a little better? Um, Give yourself some bait. Like I know mothers binge watch shows in the middle of the night and they, that's the only time they watch that specific show. So they don't get to watch another episode until the next night. Um, I had like a postpartum craving of kids cereal. So I would eat like tricks and fruit loops and captain crunch in the middle of the night. And that was kind of my bait. Um, the first it's weird. The first baby I would go down to the, um, dining room and I'd eat and I would turn the lights on and I would email my best friend and like kind of wake myself up. The second baby, I kept all the lights off and I did not look at any screens and it made for such a better transition back to sleep. Mm. And I wish I had known that the first time. So all that being said, you kind of find what works for you. And another tip, and I'm just going to say this, if you have a partner that is willing to split middle of the night feedings with you, that's a really important conversation to have if you can, before you give birth. Mm. Um, because say you're nursing, latching directly at the breast, what can they do at night to help you? Can they change the baby's diaper? Can they bring the baby to you in bed? You know, how can they help in the middle of the night? There's all these jokes about men and their worthless nipples, but partners can be a really great asset in the night. My husband did not get any paternity leave and he split nights with me until our babies slept through the night, both times. And it was so great to have that solidarity and that support. Um, But if they're not willing to do so, how else can they support you? Can they wash all your pumping supplies in the morning? Can they assemble your pumping supplies before you go to sleep so that it's all Mm -hmm. ready for you to go? All of those can be like kind of worked out in a conversation um, with any supports you have at home, whether your um, parent is staying after birth or whether you have a partner or um, even if you have like some kind of night nanny or doula or something, all those conversations, don't be afraid to tell people how they can support you postpartum. I love all of those tips. I remember with my first watching shows in the middle of the night, um, trying to stay awake. I was um, nursing, you know, breastfeeding at the time, but still like (laughs) it's those things with my second, I was way more sleepy and just let myself stay like you, it was dark and I just do what I needed to do and go back to sleep. It was a little easier to go to sleep. So, you know, find whatever works for you. Try a couple different things. And I love the bait idea too. Like <laughs> give yourself, give yourself a reason to get up and do it. 
mm-hmm. that one like guilty pleasure that you have in the middle of the night, you know? Yeah. Cool. And an important side note to all of that. We talk about building supply, building supply, protecting supply, protecting supply, and sleep can be a priority. So taking a good, honest look at your priorities, if, if sleep wins out over breast milk, that's okay. A lot of women supplement in the night so that they can get that sleep and be a functioning human being um, because they've identified that as a priority. And there is no need to give yourself any guilt about that. If, especially if you return to work and, um, or even if you don't, because you need to be a functioning human at home with your baby all day too. (laughs) Um, Don't be afraid to let sleep eventually take priority. I love that advice too. Yep. While we're kind of in this, this realm here, I think, well, feeding and motherhood just in general, but specifically pumping, I think can really feel restrictive in your life. Really just take up a lot of time, a lot of energy, you're cleaning bottles, you're taking time to pump, you're always planning. Are there any ways we can kind of make it less restrictive, easier to fit in your life or, you know, just change our mentality a little bit. So it fits in better. What do you think? Um, this is a hard one for me to answer because I like pumping. Yeah. (laughs) Now, do I like the act of it? No, who does, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I like the pump life. There's this quote pump life chose me because a lot of people have it thrust upon them. Mm -hmm. Um, and they feel that they, their choice was taken away from them. And there's a lot of like grief of mourning, like the breast feeding relationship they thought they'd have. And it's important to identify that emotion and like allow yourself to feel it. Um, Because when you're feeling that grief and that the fact that you didn't choose this path, all those things that you said, you feel chained to your pump, you feel restricted, you feel locked in your house. When really the truth is that there are so many silver linings, you just have to kind of let yourself see them. Like if you're pumping, you know how many ounces you're making and you know how many ounces baby gets. So it's something you can control. There's so much you can't control with a new baby. So why not embrace what you can control, right? Um, There are so many pumps out there and inexpensive pumps. I think I see the Bella baby behind you. Um, There are um, inexpensive portable pumps that allow you to multitask around your house or even like a wearable pump, leave the house and go out in public. Um, I love my manual pump so much because it's so little and you can just throw it in your diaper bag. And I wasn't worried, like I said earlier, about going on errands or going to church or going to a friend's house and being home in two hours or in three hours to pump because I would just have my pump with me. And all my friends and relatives know that I pump. So I would just throw on a really loose scarf, continue my conversation with them or my meal with them. Or honestly, I started to view it as kind of nice because you get an excuse to kind of escape the family for a little while (laughs) or something. And the more you start to like kind of notice those silver linings and find little things to be grateful for, the more easily that will come to you and you'll find more and more to be happy about with pumping and hopefully you'll hate it a little bit less. I love that. A lot of it's a a mindset thing. I think Mm -hmm. you're right. So 
that's, that's really good advice. I, I want to kind of ask you next about <laughs> this question I've asked before um, to moms and it's always kind of a tender and difficult question, but when you're pumping, the baby's not at the breast. So there has got to be some ways to kind of supplement that bond that a lot of breastfeeding nursing moms feel with the baby there. Did you find any ways to kind of facilitate that or like, just let's talk about that for just a minute, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Um, There are so many ways that you can maintain that closeness, that feeling, that bond with your baby even while you're pumping and definitely while you're feeding, bottle feeding. Um, And one of those, especially early on, is skin to skin. Strip that baby down to their diaper, hold them against you as you bottle feed them. They will feel your warmth. You'll feel their warmth. Um, The more you practice holding a baby while pumping, that one's a little bit more difficult. But with practice, it's definitely possible. I've done it with both my babies. You can kind of have them in the crook of your leg, have them cradled between your outstretched legs, have them snuggled up right next to your legs while you pump. Um, And the more skin you can have touching, the more comfort you'll feel. And you'll actually, you can actually experience a quicker letdown because that oxytocin is just ready to flow, Um, especially if you're gazing at your baby and touching your baby. And then when they get a little bit older, you can, you know, start to dangle toys to them or play with their feet or sing to them or sit them up on your, on your outstretched legs, um, or even, you know, manage to read to them while you're pumping. There are so many ways that you can keep your baby entertained, keep them happy and feel that closeness, that bond, even when you're bottle feeding or pumping. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's a common concern of a lot of pumping moms or especially, I see this a lot, especially in the moms that maybe wanted to breastfeed, but for Mm -hmm. some reason couldn't and are now pumping and they feel like, um, they didn't get that. They feel robbed a little bit of that experience. So I think it's important to find ways to bond with your baby and you can do all those things. I like how most of your suggestions were while pumping, which I thought was really (laughs) creative, you know? Um, but the baby has to eat too. So while they're feeding and bottle feeding, that's a great time to do anything the skin to skin exam that is gold right there. You know, yes. when you, when you're breastfeeding the baby's skin to skin, do that when they're bottle feeding, do that while you're pumping. I think that's a really great idea as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, your partner can also do the skin to skin with baby. Yes. Um, great right after birth, because if for some reason you have to pump like in the hospital, that baby needs all the skin to skin they can get. So snuggle them up on any willing chest (laughs) and put a blanket over both of you cocoon yourselves. And, um, whether it's you or your partner, or if your mom, if they're willing that skin to skin is super, super beneficial for your brand new baby. So don't, um, you know, don't be afraid to allow someone else to get that experience as well. I know it's hard because they were in you for so long, but allowing other people to get that experience can be really meaningful to them as well. I think partners, especially they, one of the silver linings, like you mentioned of pumping and bottle feeding is that someone else can feed them as well. And I, I see this kind of as, as a pitfall for some moms that are exclusively feeding at the breast because they're like, I want to pump. So my partner can feed and they can bond. And I'm like, well, but 
we got to be careful when we're combining these, if this is not our actual intention for the goal you're trying to get at, you know, but if you are pumping for whatever reason, maybe you're exclusively pumping or you're back to work and pumping. One of those benefits is that your partner can feed the baby too, which is kind of cool. So as we're kind of talking about making things easier on ourselves and bonding with our babies, is there anything that we can do as moms for self-care while we're pumping? And whether that has to do with while we're pumping or making things easier on ourselves or just general, I think we can get so hyper-focused on feeding our babies. And then when you get into pumping, it's all like ounces and schedules yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. How can we, how can we be a little kinder to ourselves and prioritize us? It does get a little mechanical, doesn't it? It does. It really does. <laughs> um, self-care is this buzzword that people hear and they hear so much nowadays. There's probably some eye rolling happening right now, but right. I'm telling you, self-care can be so much easier than you're probably thinking right now. So people jump to like bubble baths. They jump to mommy wine time. They jump to mom's night out. They jump to the spa and like massages and you don't have to go there with self-care. Um, a lot of the self-care that I teach can be done with your baby in your house. It could be done while pumping even. And one of the main things that I talk about is tuning into your five senses. Um, so a lot of the times, uh, especially if you're at work, oh my goodness, a lot of the times when you pump, you're stressed out. Uh, maybe you have older children who are you stressing about. Maybe your baby is crying and you can't comfort them because you're attached to your pump. That's stressful. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're at work. That's stressful. And the stress hormone cortisol counteracts oxytocin. And then sometimes you, you don't let down quickly and it, it just can be a mess. So tuning into your five senses is a great way to make kind of transport yourself to somewhere that's a little calmer. And now how do you do that? So you, you literally go through, like you run through your senses. Touch is a huge one. I got really cold when I pumped. So I kept a robe on the back of my chair and I'm like addicted to slippers. So when it was pumping time, the robe went on, the slippers went on instantly my sense of touch was taken care of. I was literally enveloped. So that made me feel like I was caring for my body. And then taste, that's an easy one, right? Put, put um, your favorite snack in your pumping cart or your pumping caddy. Um, or you can you know, hide some dark chocolate in there. You can get some like protein bars and increase your calories while you're pumping because you know breastfeeding mouths burn a lot of calories. Um, Smell. I mean, do you have like a diffuser, an oil diffuser? Um, chapstick can really help if you're feeling like nauseous, like a peppermint chapstick, because um, you're smelling it. It's right under your nose. Um, maybe you have a candle that you light every time you pump and you start to have those positive connotations with your pumping session. Um, sight. What are you looking at? You know, if your house is stressing you out, can you watch something on your phone? Can you look at videos or pictures of your baby while you're at work? Um, so like, what is, what is, what are you looking at? That's calming. Um, oh, auditory hearing. That's a big one. That's a really good way to transport yourself somewhere else. You can put your favorite calming music on. 
Um, you can listen to a podcast. You can kind of zone out, um, tune out all the other noises around you. So all of those things and more are really simple, often free ways to do self-care while you're actually in the act of pumping. I really, I love every one of those examples you gave and in thinking about your five senses is huge and you can do any of those things Melissa just shared or come up with your own. Like everybody has their own preferences. You know what I mean? You love slippers. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if that would do it for me. I would probably find something else. I would 100% put chocolate in my pumping station because that really speaks to me, (laughs) you know? Um, But what a cool idea. It almost kind of sounded like you were at a spa while you're pumping. And can you imagine the positive connotations that would come to you while you're pumping? Like, Ooh, I'm excited to pump because I get this robe. I get a little snack that I'm looking forward to. I get, this is like my relaxing time. I mean, how much we would see benefits in so many areas, including milk output. Mm -hmm. If pumping brought those kind of feelings to you when you sat down to do it. Yeah, that's yeah absolutely. There's actually um, studies that show that when you do repetitive things like that, you can actually help your body experience the milk ejection reflex or the letdown um, when you have things that trigger it. So like any of those things I just mentioned, you sit down in the same spot, you put the same robe on, you light the same candle, you listen to the same music, you look at the same picture of your baby. The more you create a habit, in your pumping experience, um, the more you're training your body, like, Hey, it's time to be calm. It's time to let that milk flow. Yeah. You're a hundred percent. Right. I would love to know, was there anything that surprised you about the pump life that, that you chose (laughs) that chose you? Um, was there any parts that you were like, I was not expecting that either positive or negative, um, just in this whole pumping experience for you? Or maybe like the biggest thing you learned that made the biggest difference, any, anything like that? Um, I was really, um, <laughs> I was quite embarrassed about it initially um, because it's not, you don't see people pumping, right? You see no, people nursing. Usually. I mean, mm-hmm. well, hope, hopefully if they feel comfortable, you see people nursing in public, um, whether they have a little, you know, throw over them, a little, little cover, or whether they're just nursing, it's becoming more normalized, which is, is incredibly important. The normalization of anything is really important as well as pumping. So I I was very embarrassed to even do it in front of my own family. Um, and then by baby two, I had like no shame. (laughs) I would just, I'd, I'd announce it so they can make their mind up. I'd be like, oh, it's time to pump. And instead of hiding, I would, you know, mm-hmm. cover myself enough that I would not be exposing myself. But I would sit there with my bottles hanging from me, maybe a loose scarf over top or do the two shirt method where you have a loose shirt on top. So I'm not exposing myself. Um, and I was very surprised at how comfortable I eventually felt and how people didn't run screaming from the room. <laughs> Um, I could sit in the same room as family members and watch TV and people would be looking at the TV and not me would like make sense because the TV's on, but I thought everyone would be, Oh, staring at my bottles hanging off like some sort of weird robot. Um, and I've had friends even, you know, 
couple of friends where the, the husband, you know, would, you know, engage my husband in conversation, but he wouldn't run screaming from the room. And the wife felt comfortable with it all because I had that loose scarf on or whatever. And I was very surprised at how people didn't have a negative reaction to me pumping and how I eventually got really comfortable with it. Yeah. It just takes practice. I think many second time moms, third time moms kind of develop this, you know what, this is my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you don't like, I'm going to be as modest as I can or want to be. And if you don't like that, then it's kind of not my problem, you know, because I'm feeding my baby, whether it's Mm -hmm. pumping or nursing or whatever. And I'll tell you the first time my husband saw my cousin nurse at a family gathering, he talked to me afterwards and he's like, I I forget how he worded it. He's like, I, it's, I, I felt like I didn't know where to look. Um, because I, I knew that it was going on, but then I didn't know whether to look at her and because I was talking to her and he felt very, very awkward. And it took like one conversation with me about it and that experience to like normalize it for him. And now he can have like full conversations when people are nursing. So it just takes a little time for some other people, but that's on them. That's not on us. We should feel free to nurse where we want to and pump where we want to. And they can look us in the eye and have a conversation with us. Or they can, you know, just sit next to us and look straight ahead and still have a conversation with us, or they can leave the room. That's on them. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's just going to take a little bit more practice and courage from moms and we will get there eventually where this is just more normal. I think you're right. I think we are seeing um, nursing just as more normal in life. People are not really putting up the same fights that they used to. Um, I mean, occasionally, but much, much less. And I think we're kind of at the beginning of that with pumping. Pumping still is not the norm. So it takes a little while to, I mean, this happens. This is like society 101 over here. Mm -hmm. So I would love to know what, I know you work with pumping moms. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you do. And like, you're an art teacher. How did you get from there? to kind of working with pumping moms and specializing in pumping. Yeah. So I I like to say that, well, I don't like to say, I don't actually like to admit um, that pump mama pump is my second baby. (laughs) So my first baby's five years old, pump mama pump is four years old and my second baby is three years old. So when I was weaning from pumping with my first uh, child, we made it um, 11 months exclusive pumping. And then I weaned, uh, by the way, my goal was six months with both babies. You set a goal when you get there, reassess and set a new goal. Just, I didn't say that before. So I want to say that. So I, my goal was six months. I was hitting my stride at six months. I was like, I can do this forever. Then after like nine months, I was like, okay, maybe I want to stop. And then I stopped by 11 months with my first the second one was during COVID. So I lasted like 14 months because COVID yeah. and I felt like I needed antibodies or whatever. So that one lasted a really long time. But anyway, so the first baby I weaned from exclusive pumping and I took all that energy that I now was spending on pumping. And I now had, and I started the Instagram pump mama pump to be who I so badly needed at first when mm. I didn't even know exclusive pumping was a thing. So I became a resource for pumping mothers. And 
then it wasn't until after my second baby that I pursued um, getting my lactation counselor certification so that I could actually work one-on-one with mothers. And now I work with mothers literally all over the world. I have 10 countries, 30 states, and like five provinces. So I used to joke with my husband that I wanted to start pumping without borders. And I I think I have. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So what kind of support do you offer now? I know you kind of serve all pumping moms, which is great. Um, What kind of stuff do you do? Do you have anyone that works with you too? No, it's just me for now. I I would love an assistant. Oh, wouldn't we all? (laughs) Someday. Someday. Um, No, it's just me. So I have very limited availability because it is my second job. But um, I do consultations, pumping consultations. Yes, I know things about latching, but my specialty is pumping. And I do flange sizing. Flange size is incredibly important, not only for comfort, but for milk output. And many, many mothers, I'm going to risk it and say most mothers are using the incorrect size flange. So I do um, virtual flange sizing appointments as well. Yeah. Very cool. I agree with you. Almost everyone that I help with pumping is also using an inappropriate flange size, you know, and the pumps come with a really, I, what cracks me up is when people message me and they're like, yeah, so here's my deal. Oh. And by the way, I also have really small nipples. They measure like 16 millimeters. And I'm like, you actually don't have, <laughs> That's That's average. <laughs> it's actually pretty normal and average. Uh-huh. Um, the pumps come with, well, you know, this 24, 27 millimeters, like that's it's the standard. So, you said inappropriate. It's such an inappropriate size to come with. How did, how did they figure out that that was the standard size? I don't know. I think it, what, here's what I think. I think that you can pump with one that's too big and like some milk will come out. You cannot pump with one that's too mm. small. It will like hurt and be painful and damage you very quickly. So I think from a True. marketing okay. standpoint, they're like, moms can get milk out with too big. We're going to send like ones that cover 95% of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then it kind of puts in mom's minds like, oh, well, I'm way smaller than a 24. I must be abnormal or oh. weird or, and it's uh-huh. like, so not true. Mothers come to me apologizing for their nipples all the time. I know. Like, Why Do you know how this? many nipples I see? Like there, there is no one standard size or, or look of nipple, like you're, you're fine. (laughs) Don't be self-conscious about your body. I gosh, and I know you can probably relate. I've seen a lot of variations of normal. I mean, just small nipples, large areolas, Mm -hmm. cone shaped nipples, um, raspberry shaped nipples, um, long ones, short ones. Like there's Mm -hmm. just the range of normal is huge. Yes, and I is. think we see these breastfeeding models that are like a little shaped breast with a little <laughs> nipple sticking out. And you're like, if I don't fit that, I'm kind of, I'm weird. And I, I hate to see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate to, I hate anyone feeling bad about their body. No, <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's your body. It's providing for your baby. But again, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're right. All right. So can you, as we kind of wrap up here, is there anything you'd like to leave pumping moms with either like a piece of advice or something that you wish someone would have told you in the beginning? Um, anything to make this easier on everyone who's pumping? 
Oh yeah. Um, a million things not, probably just popped in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Trying to distill it down to one. Um, you're, you're not alone. Being feeling like you're alone is the worst feeling. Feeling like you're the only one who pumps instead of nurses is the worst feeling. And I can tell you that you are not the only one who pumps instead of nurses. Um, no, whatever you're experiencing, literally whatever you're experiencing, someone else has been there. Someone else can help you with it. Someone else has advice. Um, and the more you find that community, even if it's online community like Facebook groups or Instagram, um, it's really nice to know that you're not the only one going through that kind of journey. Someone else has been there too. And someone else can kind of empathize with you and like hold your hand during your journey. Um, and finding that community can just be really uplifting and you have someone to talk to and someone to, you know, bounce things off of like, is this normal what I'm experiencing? Whether it's like developmental stages of your baby or, you know, how long your nipples are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but finding other moms to talk to, because not everyone has moms in person. I always come back to like Facebook and Instagram, and you might think that sounds really impersonal, but some mothers don't have friends who have babies yet or who are going to have babies or, um, you know, they don't have family members that have ever breastfed before they've only used formula. So your village might not be made up of who is right next to you. Um, so finding an online village can really help you find, um, you know, camaraderie and someone to vent to, and just that feeling that you're not alone. You are absolutely correct. And I think that's what brought both of us into the field that we are right now. We lived it and we saw a huge need of support and education and information for mothers who are not doing the textbook thing. I mean, there are lots and lots and lots of lactations consultants out there. You can find one in your area. You can find one at the hospital, private practice, whatever, but specifically for moms that are pumping because they chose to, or they have to, there's just, like you said, there, there may not be anyone that, you know, that has done this. So I work, I work with working moms. So specifically moms who are combining breastfeeding and pumping and that's tricky. You probably know moms who have breastfed, um, or maybe pumped a little bit, but maybe not like as a teacher or as a nurse or in an office or as a traveling, you have a traveling job, like in your specific thing, how do we make this work? So I love your advice of your village, your community for support might be online. And that's kind of the world we live in now. So don't be afraid to embrace it. Find some accounts that you trust and follow on Instagram or join a, you know, Facebook group, realize those are usually moms. Um, and everyone has such a wide range of experience. So also find a professional that can support you. Melissa does. I do. There's others who were, we're getting more and more in this field of pumping, which I'm really excited about because all anyone who's pumping needs support, needs education. So I'm really happy that you're doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And on the flip side of that, don't be afraid to leave a group if it's not serving you or thank unfollow you. or yes, unfollow someone who makes you feel bad about yourself. Um, there are a lot of Facebook groups where you will get like shadow banned if you mention the word nursing. Um, 
or, you know, talk about the fridge hack or something. So if you don't like the community you found, find a new community. (laughs) Or if you have someone on Instagram who you're constantly comparing yourself to and they make you feel bad about yourself or your choices, um, as a mom, you don't need that unfollow. (laughs) So please feel free to unfollow anyone who is not supporting your journey. I am never offended by unfollows. I'm sure that you aren't either. I never even look at who they are specifically (laughs) because I hope that they are people who realized this wasn't quite the right fit for me. And I'm going to go somewhere else. And like, please do that. Please find the people that you trust that support you, that make you feel better. Don't and even a friend, I like, I haven't followed some friends before too, just uh, yeah. because not because I don't like them or, but they're doing, it seems better than me. And it makes me feel bad about myself. You know what I mean? And it's not their fault. Like they deserve to celebrate their successes too, but just be, I thank you for saying that be conscious of the content and the communities that you're consuming. If they're not leaving you in a better place, then you yes. should probably leave them. Perfect. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thank you. All right. Well, we are going to have all the links to connect both with Melissa and myself down in the show notes. I'll have her Instagram, of course, which is really fun. (laughs) Go ahead and follow that and check it out. And also her website, if you want to get in contact with her. So we are here to support you moms that are pumping. Um, We do me and her do a little bit different things, which is why it's fun that we get to connect here and collaborate so we can support all the moms looking for pumping help in one way or another. So thanks again for being here with me today. Thanks for having me.